both probably suffering from long COVID. Yeah, I haven't come to terms with it yet, but okay. Um, <laughs> we're, we're working on it with her. I finally accepted. I understand uh, that. And it has actually included two hospital visits in the last 30 days, one for each of us. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, strangely enough, after the last one, which was Benesha's turn, uh, Fauci came out and he listed the symptoms for long COVID. They include difficulty breathing. Um, it includes things like your eye could get attacked. <laughs> like yeah, yours did. Yeah, <laughs> organs right. can get attacked. Uh, it doesn't have to be lungs. It could be anywhere in the body. Um, fatigue, you get onset of cold symptoms, including achy body, and then it goes away. And yeah. so, you know, it, it looks like you had the cold, which is interesting right. because, right, uh, corona, the cold is a coronavirus. So right. apparently COVID <laughs> is causing this for people who have long COVID. And, and one of the things that has happened is I think I've, I have had cold symptoms once a month since since february and wow. you know like i've never been this sick before in my life and now i'm like oh thanks for explaining it fauci <laughs> so you said go. february y'all had it way back in february yeah so you know we'll never know for sure if i had covid that's it's not a hundred percent by any means there, there were no tests at the time right. and and i saw three doctors over the course of four days because my symptoms were so insane and uh, none of them even thought that it could possibly be COVID. Like they were giving me- Really? Uh, yeah, like it never occurred Nobody to Nobody knew, it wasn't really- Oh, yeah. that's right. They, they like, weren't telling people mm -hmm. yet. I'm no. sorry. And then, and then in March, I saw a fourth doctor for a completely unrelated situation, but I told him, look, I, I'm, let me tell you my symptoms because I just wanna make sure I'm not messing you guys up. And they're like, don't worry about it. Yeah, come on in. <laughs> yeah. And. Uh, and, it, and, it, and the symptoms were, you know, just eight out of 10 of the COVID symptoms. Oh, just that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, we're, we're now realizing, oh, my God, we might have had it early. And if Benesha had it, it was January. Man. Yeah. I have so a friend was, who's, who's gone through the same thing, and she's come to that same conclusion that it's just a hangover from COVID. So what are they? What are the insurance gonna, companies going to do when, about pre-existing conditions? At this well, point? They, as long as the Affordable Care Act remains intact, there's nothing they can do about it. Um, but so, you know, Biden had to undo Trump's executive orders regarding that. And then uh, we're probably going to have to somehow try to get the penalty for not paying back in because it makes the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act iffy if there's no p IRS penalty. Wait, why, why does that make it iffy? I'm sorry. So, we weren't going to talk about the AHA today, but. Uh. Well, but we, I can say this then. Um, the. The way it survived when it went up in front of the Supreme Court, when Roberts voted with the four liberals to let it survive, was his opinion was it was permissible because it was a tax. Mm. And, the, and the basis for that was that the IRS hit you with a penalty in the mm. event you don't have health care coverage, making it into a tax. Oh, okay. So if you take that away, which Congress did, and there's no longer a penalty, then is it still a tax? Yeah. And so it leaves it vulnerable for a future Supreme Court ruling. In fact, there was a, the Supreme Court did look at it this year, this last year. And there was, you know, I thought that might be the end of it and they ended up not doing anything, but that doesn't mean it can't come up in the future. Wow. But they can do it with a simple majority, right? Because they can use the exact same procedure that the Republicans used, uh, budget reconciliation to come back and, and tweak it. So it's not like it's a hard thing to do. It's not like you have to get a filibuster proof anything. Right. Yeah, man. All righty, so we were talking through the, uh, we were oh, talking- How's oh, Benefsha? Did we ask? Oh yeah, she said, I'm fine. Yes. Yeah, I'm, 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 <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not gonna be as chatty today That's probably, okay. but I'll, yeah. Just checking in, sorry, Roy. Thank you, dear. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> yeah, so um, we were talking, uh, uh, Roy wanted to speak about, um, the Robin Hood that goes on in here in uh, Texas concerning, <laughs> um, I, I don't know the full details of it, but concerning uh, pulling funding from uh, wealthier districts to help fund smaller districts. School I think districts, is, yeah. Yeah, school yeah. districts, exactly. Uh, uh, do you have a story or something about yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> so actually, what I wanna do is I wanna talk about uh, faulty thinking 
and disinformation. Because I think that's one of the things that's driving US politics right now is there's, there's both illogic and disinformation and the two merged together are really toxic. And we're talking so, about disinformation, not misinformation. Yeah, because at some level, it, I mean, it's obviously a little bit of both, right? Like, I'm sure some of it is, oh, I, I made a mistake. I didn't mean to do this. I, like, I make mistakes all the time and I'll go back and I'll be like, oh, I can't believe I did that. I got right. the chronology of this wrong, right? Um, but some of it, I think, is malicious mm-hmm. and, and fits in the category of disinformation as opposed to I was misinformed. Right. Um, so I'll give you an example, which is the Robin Hood thing. So conversation uh last yeah it was this week this last week that just happened with the person the person uh is going to a or their child goes to a wealthy school district in texas and she was annoyed because there was recapture and also known as robin hood and here's what happened the the texas supreme court ruled that the method that we use in texas to generate funds for schools are unconstitutional and here's why The Texas constitution explicitly says that it is the role of the state of Texas to provide public school education for every child in Texas, period. Regardless if they're a citizen. Yeah. Although (laughs) things get changed. For the record, the Texas constitution, the original draft of it, the 1875 constitution that was put into place in 1876, the thing that we have now, said no person shall be made illegal and what? I don't remember yeah. the year, but I want to say it was 1996, but it might have been after. It was definitely not before. Uh, we had a constitutional amendment in Texas that How changed that. How many do we that. have? We have a million constitutional oh, amendments. Oh, yeah. We have, uh, last check, we had 666, which I believe does mean we are satanic. I think so. <laughs> um, I, I could be leave wrong it, about that number it. now, but at one point we had 666. But this oh, no, one. no, it was 666 attempts, I think. I don't remember. Anyway, and, and yeah, I think it was 666 attempts and like 483 passed, Jeez. something like that. And this one you're talking about was 1996. That's the year I remember, but it, it, it could be wrong. It's definitely 96 or after, probably not before, not, not after 2006. Okay. And what happened was we passed a constitutional amendment in Texas that said no citizens shall be made illegal. So the one thing in the Texas constitution that was good, besides the public education thing, we deleted it. So, um, so now it just should be thrown out and changed and revised. So the, the, the Texas public school thing is amazing because Texas has some of the best schools in the country, right? We have yeah. some amazing high schools in Texas. The vast majority of the schools in Texas are absolute garbage. I mean, bile, you could throw them out and the kids would probably be better off. I mean, we are harming children. We're not helping children. Just so babysitting. That the, so that, yeah, so that by the time you take the best schools and average them out with the rest of the schools, which are the vast majority, Texas has got one of the worst public school systems in the country. Um, usually when- I'm we- sorry, I just have to add something as a school teacher at the moment. It's not for lack of- hard work and good um, intentions on the part of either the administration or the, not faculty, what is it in school, the teachers. It's, um, it definitely is not that. We should do a whole show on this. We should do a whole show. <laughs> I'll bring my wife next, in on that show. I got my wife in on that three show. Shows yes, please. <laughs> three shows planned, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, I just, I just wanted to interject, I, like, I, I just to be clear that. about yes, that. Because the absolutely. Supreme Court in Texas is clear about that. Yeah. It concluded that the reason why we had, you know, 10% of our schools were good, 10% were mediocre, and 80% were horrid was because of the way we fund in Texas. Mm-hmm. The schools mm-hmm. simply just don't have the resources to function. Mm-hmm. And so the way we fund is according to the tax base in your neighborhood. I also want to say something else. Um, it's funding, but there are a group of people up there making decisions that are, um, I don't know why they make the decisions that they make, but the decisions are harmful. I'll just say that. 
and they don't make much sense. And didn't right. we and didn't we defund the schools? I mean, so, like so that's what recapture is. Right. Okay. So everybody's so, freaking out about defunding the cops, but education was okay. Yeah, right. Oh, oh, oh. So, so there's two things going on. There's no child left behind. That might be what you're talking about. And then there's recapture. So recapture, okay. also known as Robin Hood, is where rich school districts have to pay into a pool or they can, there are other methods too. You can adopt a poor school district. There's different ways you can do this. And then the money from the pool is distributed to the poor school districts. And, that, and that's called Robin Hood because we're taking from the rich and giving to the poor. So- It used to be busing. I was I was around when they bust us. Busing is a whole different issue that we should also have a whole show okay. on. <laughs> because the data on busing is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like one of the fast fixes for everything in Texas would just be to start busing again. But they yeah, yeah, they yeah. stopped that quick. Wow. Yeah, they did. And by the way, thank you, Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, yeah. That girl yeah. was me. <laughs> what was that? No, uh, Kamala Harris. That girl was me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, said first debate, the first debate. And that's when I knew my prediction was right, that they would totally be on the same ticket together. That's brilliant. It was brilliant. It was a race. <laughs> Man. So, was, yeah. Yeah. So then there's No Child Left Behind. The idea behind No Child Left Behind is if a school is failing, we cut off its funding. So, oh, we lost Ramesh. So it's the, it's the equivalent of a starving person goes into a hospital because they're suffering from, from the debilitating effects of starvation. And the doctor goes, have you eaten recently? And you say <laughs> no. And they go, I'm sorry. Our hospital policy is nobody gets any nutrition unless you've been eating. <laughs> yeah. Right? Wow. A school is failing because it doesn't have the funds to operate. And what do you do? You cut its funding. <laughs> Makes no sense. Insane. Okay, but I want to talk about Robin Hood. So this this person, this parent is complaining. Here's why. You ready? She doesn't understand why her rich school district has to pay Austin AISD money so that AISD could build a $20 million golf course. So I'm like, nobody paid AISD anything. AISD is one of the rich school districts, it's one of the payers. She's like, no, no, I know we did this. I'm like, no, I know you didn't. <laughs> what is she in Westlake or something? Uh, go one West, go from oh, Eans BK? to <laughs> Lake Travis ISD. Oh God, okay. Yeah, and oh. <laughs> and so we, I, I go, look, I'll look into it further, but I know you. nobody pays AISD, AISD pays. AISD is one of the fun, one of the schools that, and then I'm like, and there's no $20 million golf course in AISD. No, God, this is, this is disinformation. So finally a person that was there goes, there is a tennis court on top of a parking garage. And, okay, yeah, so that's a, a, a brand new parking garage was just built for Bowie High School. So let's call them out. It's amazing because it's who, what other high school in AISD has those resources, but that was AISD funds. And it wasn't a golf course, it was a tennis court. And the and the tennis court could how expensive is a tennis court anyway? So it's especially really if it's on a parking garage. I mean Yeah, like it's a good use of space as far as I'm concerned. The parking garage has me questioning, not the tennis court. Yeah, I'm like, well, how do you get the ball if it goes <laughs> over? Oh, <laughs> oh, well. Are you like <laughs> Uh, I'm no. sorry, but if they put cages up there, you just got to turn the thing into a cage match at that point, right? <laughs> <laughs> up there, you might as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Serena Williams yeah. would be killer in that. <laughs> oh, my God, literally. Oh, you play tennis and do you do a cage match? Yes. <laughs> the cage match. Yeah, the rest of the cage match. So I looked up the data just because now I need to know. Like, I know I'm right about AISD, but I need to know the numbers. Right. It's not just that AISD is one of the payer districts. It is the biggest payer district. There, there is no district in Texas that pays more. In fact, it's absurd how much. AISD pays $400 million of recapture a year. And I, Somebody needs to look this up, but I think the total budget is $1.1 So it's almost one-third of the total budget goes to recapture. Um, That's about as much as UT makes on its sports program. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Like, yeah. The only other 
school, state school that makes any money is Alabama and they only make 1 million. That's crazy. I know. So they could just give that to the school. They could just give that, but they won't because they need to do their weapons uh, research programs. Um, So having said all this, the the top five, the next highest is 100 million. Like ASD is literally paying four times what number two is. And, and, and Lake Travis isn't even in the top five. Uh, I'm trying to yeah. remember what the top five were. Eanes was there. Plano was there. Houston ISD was number five. What? That is shocking. <laughs> no. So the first thing that we need to actually ask is why are poor districts classified as rich by the state? Like, how the hell did Houston ISD get classified as a rich district? I get Austin, right? We have so much money, we don't know what to do with it. But poor Houston. And Houston was paying something like $95 million a year, or maybe $75 million a year. Those poor people. It's, it's bullshit. But then, here's the next part, and this is the important part. AISD has horrible schools. Eastside Memorial has been closed how many times because it doesn't function? On a scale of one to 10, it's, re- it's rated as a one. When you say function, do you mean able to corral kids or do you mean uh, yes. accreditation? Accreditation. Okay. Like it just, it just doesn't, it keeps failing. Okay. It keeps failing no child left behind criteria, which yeah. by the way is terrible. We should get rid of no child left behind, but yeah. it, it's still an indication that the school needs help it's a one on a scale of one to ten Bowie's a nine on a scale of one to ten and both schools are in the same district in fact one school just got a parking garage <laughs> and a passport. so the, so one of the problems with all of this is not only is there disinformation there's no golf course by the way la jolla isd did build a 20 million dollar water slide a 20 million i don't know if i said billion 20 million dollar water slide for the swim team I don't know. It's a water slide. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that's that's a uh, it's probably a part of the, um, the the curriculum where you learn how to build uh, water slides for, to take right. that uh, Slitterbond. You get a job at Slitterbond. Exactly. <laughs> that's got to be it. And they are down. a receiver school district. So I'm not saying there's no corruption in recapture. Would yeah. it? That would be a great idea on how to get down after the cage match. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's no <laughs> so, so I think one of the lessons that people need to do is when you hear something, my mom used to say, believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. Hmm. We need skepticism back in our society where people are going out and, and checking the facts. Like don't, so when they, when you're being told that money's being sent to Austin, like you need to go, what? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're so rich. How is it that money is being sent there? Mm, what we true. need to do is figure out how to get some of Bowie's money to Eastside Memorial. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, right. because out of the high schools in, in AISD, I think there's a nine, a seven, a one, and the rest are all like threes. I think we mm. need to have Ken on. Yeah, we need yeah, to have Ken on. We need to have a, a conversation about this. Yeah, we need to. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I feel like we're going in a direction than we had planned, <laughs> but it's it's a fabulous conversation. I also, my mom was a teacher in AISD for many years, and then moved over to Georgetown. And um, the reason we moved was busing, and I was on I was on the east side, so I was on a bus for like an hour and a half just to get to a good school and um the the problem at that time was not only money but uh teachers didn't want to teach over there in our part of the world and on the east side because it was not a nice place but they just didn't want to go over there so it was hard to entice them to come over so how do what do we do with that we have to have some kind of universal pay for teachers a baseline at least right because you get all you're getting are these fresh new teachers who've never dealt with students before other than student teaching yeah yeah the the entire school system needs to be reworked and Mm -hmm. by the way there's some great examples of functioning school systems i mean new york city has an amazing school system and when yeah. you think about the challenge that they have, having that many schools and that densely populated mm-hmm. of an area, and for them to pull off the kind of success that they pull off, 
It's really remarkable. And then you look at Texas with all its oil money and it's, it's verbal scores on the SAT are, you know, usually right around 47th in the country and quantitative we're usually like 42nd. How is it that the Saudi Arabia of the United States doesn't have the ability to educate its, its population? Doesn't want to. Yeah, it doesn't, it want, doesn't to. want to. It's exactly. Deliberate. It's at the lowest, lowest rung of what they want to do. You know, Texas, Texas to accomplish, I guess, or be a part yeah. of, you know. Exactly. But then yeah. it makes us unconstitutional because our constitution says we have to do this i want to shelve something when we come back to talking about schools i definitely want to talk about um what susie was talking about the teachers not wanting to go and teach in a specific district or a specific um area of a city of a particular district or a school do you find that's true also uh big are we are we having this conversation? Because I can talk a lot about this. Um, I think we've kind of slid into it. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. Um, I've only been in Maine or ISD. So for those who are not in Austin or even in Texas, Mainer is a working class town in the outskirts of Austin. And uh, my students are, I have, I don't know how many students I have. I have a total of one or two white students. The rest are black and brown kids. And I have to tell you all something. Um, I have not taught in a white part of town of Austin, but I have been in white organizational spaces, the university, especially a university in Georgetown, Texas, again, a very conservative town. Susie, Susie grew up there. Very conservative Texas town um, with very strong white supremacist sort of culture. And I have to say that for me, this place is nice. <laughs> which, which place, St. Ed's or here? Uh, uh, southwestern yeah mainer is nice for yeah. me southwestern is what a... feels southwestern felt um hostile mm-hmm. it felt um uh disrespectful it it did not they they wanted me out of there that's yeah. what they wanted i'm surprised honestly i'm surprised they hired you I mean, they, they, I slipped in and they, they, they tried for years. Ramesh can, Ramesh can attest to many of these things, but, but they tried for many years to get rid of me. Um, At any rate, uh, this place, I, it is, and through no fault of the administration, uh, the, the rules that are coming from the TEA and, and the district, and like Ooh. above, let's talk like leadership, uh, governorship. Um, the the rules that are coming down are nonsensical. If I just go into one or two incidents, uh, instances of how things have rolled out, it will, it, y'all will just start thinking. Tell us a what, story. Oh my God. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm going to have to think about how much I can share without getting, we my need to people. talk to our attorneys. No, it's not <laughs> without getting the admin in trouble. No, I totally, yeah. I totally, These people are amazing, doing an amazing job, but have their legs are broken and they don't even have crutches. Like, yeah, it's a shit show. It's yeah. a shit show. I think we could have several, several of these <laughs> discussions about education. I mean, we've, that's, that's, I think the, the key is we need to change the curriculum. The curriculum is ridiculous. I mean, if you're going to make us, you know, rely on 401ks, teach us how, what the stock market is, please. Because I don't know, teach us how to apply. But they do in the, in the rich white schools. Right. Yeah. Which I, yeah. I mean, I went to Georgetown high and that's a rich white school and they did not teach us that. They didn't teach us anything. They didn't teach us how to balance a checkbook. My fifth grader was just taught what stocks are, how taxes work, how to balance a checkbook. (laughs) But of course, we live in a rich neighborhood. Yeah, it's very different. Very different. But we're in AISD. 
<laughs> Lucky you. So y'all are paying. So y'all are paying. Y'all are getting paid a lot. Are y'all paying a lot? Y'all are paying a lot for golf courses. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that don't exist. It turns out. Um, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, the question that Benefshan and I made was we were living in a neighborhood that we really liked, um, but we were paying did, for did a not private want to school. Move. Did not want to mm. move. We were paying for private school. And we and the math was that if we moved to an expensive neighborhood where our taxes were going to go through the roof, we would save money because mm. we would be paying sure. less than we were paying for private school. And it, we're ba basically paying 70% in taxes what we're paying in private school. Mm -hmm. And we're, and so Although this is not where we are in this particular, uh, I don't know how to like a uh, large neighborhood or part of Austin. This is not a white. Neighborhood. It's not a it's, lily white no, neighborhood. It's by not. It's, Everybody's mixed race. Look, actually. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's yeah, it's very interesting. There's a there's a lot of it was shocking because when we came here, we thought, oh, God, another upper middle class white neighborhood. And we're like, whoa, what's happening? <laughs> well, yeah, the, these 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 kinds of suburban neighborhoods are changing in demographic really, really rapidly. It's so interesting and strange to see. It is, yeah, and a lot of it. Oh, I'm sorry, oh, I'm saying a lot of it is, you know, I mean, uh, business folks coming from California. So I'm not one of those stay out of here California people, but I mean, I was just watching the video and it talks about how a lot of the folks are coming from California to Tech to Austin as one of the main hubs that they're doing that with, you know, it's like business centric, you know, uppity folks. Yeah. And that's why we're not weird anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm happy that they're here. I just wish they'd build roads. <laughs> well, they are, right? Elon, I mean, Elon Musk, right? Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. We just get a bus system that functions. Dude, we're going to get a subway. <laughs> yeah, right. Right through downtown. I can't uh, wait. I can't either. I'll 20, be dead. 2030, it'll be done. Oh God. <laughs> well, they're so supposed good. to like route the traffic, right? From 35 to 130 in order to build that project. Oh uh, it's part of, the, part of what's the discussion is ha they're having. Yeah. Wow. Um, two so like, lane? Isn't that two lanes? 130, the toll yeah. road? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, two road. lanes okay. each direction. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's all? Really? Oh my God. Yeah. So here's, here's, the, here's again a great moment for like, what the hell is somebody thinking? Why not make I-35 through Austin the toll road and make 130 free? And then that way, and that way, everybody going from San Antonio to Dallas takes 130. That's, and right. it, That's a great and idea. And then it gives us I-35 so we can use it. I don't right. get on that thing. It's worthless. You remember when they were going right. to get rid of that one uh, uh, entryway? I don't think they did. It's the scariest thing to get on that, on, on the freeway. It's underground. It's like the lower level. And all of this traffic is coming and you have to merge like almost immediately or yeah i i was pregnant four months pregnant with my first child oh. and almost got thrown off of that bridge with a, by an 18 wheeler almost lost oh, my no. baby because of oh, that goodness. no 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 they should not be using those roads <laughs> yes yeah so uh, so for those of you who haven't seen the matrix they warn you in the, that movie not to get on those freeways uh, <laughs> yeah. oh man all right Dang. so we we started from this information and and then mm -hmm. and then we were going to go into a discussion we we got we got off track but you want did we i think this is totally on track on track okay, okay. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really shocked roy that you haven't told us more about scandinavian education systems i thought that's directly <laughs> Finland! 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 <laughs> Dang. Oh, the smartest kids on the planet finland man mm -hmm. yeah, so i guess one thing we're, well, finland's fenskar yeah. ancestry i'm a quarter <laughs> one quarter <laughs> Man, I guess one way to bring this back to what we kind of discussed behind the scenes was, um, so here in Austin, you know, there's that historical divide of, 30, of 35, so I'm talking about 35, of, yes. uh, you know, I mean, um, back to left, uh, left the side, 60s. right side, uh, the red line. Yeah, the red line. So we're talking about, um, you know, the civil rights movement and how, uh, you know, folks have been pushed to the pushed to the east side and then, you know, back to those districts that aren't getting enough funding. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? To tie I it think, back into, I yeah. think slowly but surely they're going to get pushed out of there too. Mm -hmm. 
But where, yeah. do, they get, where do they go? The, gentrific- the gentrification in East Austin is because of they go to Manor. But but here's the here's the here's the real problem with that. It's the white couples that move there and gentrify the neighborhood. When they decide to have a baby, then leave, mm. and they come to my neighborhood mm. because they know the schools there suck. So the effect is that the that the the yeah. one positive that could have come from gentrification, which would have been that those young couples would have stayed and made babies, and then those babies would have gone to those same schools and they would have kept funding those schools and it would have helped fix the problem. They yeah. don't do because they then leave. They're like, nope, I'm going to West. I'm leaving. I'm going to move to the other side of Mopac. Or they go to private schools. Or they go to private yeah. schools. Well, so, my child is not going to be the guinea pig for this. Right? Exactly. So the racism that gentrification includes, the one positive it could have produced doesn't goes away. But then mm-hmm. they have these charter schools, right? And yeah. uh, and my mom was a big proponent. She wrote a curriculum for one of them. I think the gymnasts who are here, they practice out at the Y. And uh, and she wrote a, a UT for them. Um, but again... I mean, that's that's relying on direct funding, I guess. And sometimes you go to a school and it's closed. Just yeah. doors are shuttered. So, I mean, you can't count on those. And how do you even, I mean, if everyone could could learn online, I think that would be great, except for the socialization. And we don't have any way for rural kids to learn because they don't have. I mean, I just don't understand why we have to have charter schools. Why are we not fixing the public school Mm -hmm. system? Like, how does this make sense? We always do this. It's Reaganomics. Because it's exactly it's Reaganomics. It's it's creating. Oh, this is a great opportunity for people to make money. Let's do this. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. Private. What? Let's just fix the problem. Well, Betsy yeah. DeVos was a big, that, she was scary to me because she was all for the charters. And the, yeah, and these charter schools are popping up everywhere. They take like, um, I don't know about how, how it is the rest of the Austin, but like here in, here in Southeast, they're literally putting in like, you know, these, uh, we have, we're pretty much in the warehouse district. So these warehouse, these massive warehouses, oh, let's put a charter school there. And they tried to build another one uh, in this place called Easton Park, is this, na- uh, this neighborhood, uh, right across from it. And they actually voted to uh, to not allow the charter school to build there because they have they have a public school from the WISD right in their area. And they're like, no, mm-hmm. why would we do that when we can help build up our school that we have, our public school? So that was that was awesome. So Which it's, it's good to see it? a pushback. Which school? Um, it's a uh, Newton Collins is the one that's in okay. uh, that southeast. Yeah, that the one that they fought for. So that's that was great. good. That was cool to see. Yeah. 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 And All right. They- so go ahead. Okay, well, just going back to um, a story about the public school system and how broken it is because it, we keep ending back up here. And I don't think this will, you know, no adverse effects from this particular story. So I had, I, I am an immigrant. I came here to go to college. I had no information about K through 12. I'd heard stories. I had heard stories about the t- star test. My fifth grade son is taking star test. So that's that was the extent of my knowledge until September of this year. The kids at Maynard and, and throughout Texas are required to take the star test in March. The star test is a assessment that kind of is out there to figure out how how well the school is doing, how well the kids are doing, all of that, right? It's COVID. We still have to take this test. So I'm trying to figure out what this test is. Like, what does it take to pass it? I am told that you just have to make 42 or 43% to pass this test. It's incredibly, it's incredibly easy. I mean, okay. Why? So I'm just trying to figure out why y'all I am a month behind because this is where we are. Mm -hmm. Most of my classes, the students aren't showing up. Oh my God. The ones who show up are half there. Yeah. It's not just me. This is across the board in my school. Failure rates in AISD are 2.3 times what they were last year. So this, the teachers are pushed to the brink 
we are at a at a nervousness and anxiety mm. level beyond well, anything um that's a measure of of your teaching too i mean that's what they're looking at also is how the staff is doing right and so that's the extra anxiety is like well we're this is these kids are supposed to be passing this because of me and it's right. how, how, how well are they teaching to the test versus yeah, exactly right. well, yeah. no, but then we're not supposed to talk <laughs> yeah. about that did y'all yeah. know we're not supposed to really? speak in those terms no yeah, yeah we're not see. supposed not to good. speak in those terms we are supposed to um when when we are tested on whether how 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 uh for teacher certification uh, we are we learn how there's a particular test about pedagogy we learn how to lie mm -hmm. like the books that you read teach you mm -hmm. how to lie to the perfect scenarios that are going to be presented to you on this test and if you bring any i mean we're literally told this over and over again so wow. the level i mean i can go on and on and on and on um no, none, of, none of this makes sense. Like, I'm, I'm just kind of like, and you know, at, at some point, my colleagues have gotten used to this. They're so yeah. like, here's another BS. Here's, I'm that, to work in an environment like that when so much is at stake, so much is at stake. Yeah. We don't just, I don't just teach math. I'm not just supposed to teach math. I don't want to just teach math. <laughs> There are so many of these kids who I want to be the teacher that I needed, right? When I was in high school mm -hmm. uh, with parents who were dealing with everything under the sun, just like these parents are. Um, yeah. I mean, you no. give, you give kids busy work, you, you, they, they're smart. They know what they're doing. They know what's going on. Yep. They, they will never trust me. Mm -hmm. They will never trust the administration. It becomes a game. They never get invested. It is, it is BS from yeah. noon till, I mean, from morning till we leave, I feel. There are moments of truth, but they only come when I say, oh my God, I cannot believe, right? When I, when mm -hmm. I become self-reflexive and open about holy crap, like what the hell, they start listening. And it, it teaches them, right, how, how much stake and investment to put in their own self and their own education when they look at all these signals around them, right? If admin is dealing with them in a certain kind of way, if teachers are dealing with them in a certain kind of way and they sense the the, the sort of the performance-ness of it, right? The Yeah, performativity, I don't know, the performance of it. And that tells them this is how I need to be valuing my, my own self and my own education for the next several, several years. Also, I need to pretend. Yeah, I, I need to perfect, uh, it's and perform a game. in a certain kind it's of way. It's all a game. Mm -hmm. Nobody really cares about me. Mm -hmm. I'm not really important. Th what's important is the, the play mm -hmm. um, that we're all putting on. I don't know what that does to a, a psyche. Like, with this much living a lie at this <laughs> age, at the, I'm... It trains them for yeah, work. I lived a lie growing up, right? <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. They don't. Right. Need to it's well, really good training well, for corporate it America. It didn't do that for me, though, yeah. Ramesh. So um. I grew up in the Islamic Republic of Iran, where where the where education was a show, like literally. You, I, we, I would go in the morning. I would pretend to be somebody. Although the the level the education level was super high, especially math super and science. High. I mean, I had all my all of my chemistry, all of my physics, and all of my math classes for the first two years of college when I got yeah. here in high school, and I wasn't oh. even math track. If I had been math track, I would have probably done all four, and oh. I was studying physics in college. <laughs> it's crazy. So. So yes, the level of education was high, but expectations were high, but everything else was a lie. That created someone who has, I'm, I'm talking about myself, someone mm -hmm. who has issues with authority, mm -hmm. someone who does not trust anybody's telling them the truth. Mm -hmm. That's like ingrained in me. 
and now, oh my God, how, I mean, our government's been lying to us for how long? I mean, it's just really pushed it to the forefront. I don't trust anything. Good. Believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. Half of what you see. <laughs> I just want to point out, I, oh, I, at the start, I said, I'm going to be quiet. Don't make me feel comfortable. I, I had a bit of anxiety going into this today, but yeah, I'm feeling <laughs> Yay. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> okay, so let me show you a story. Okay. Another one. <laughs> now, I was thinking what we could do is we should we should build on this moment because I think one of the problems that we face when as activists, as people who are trying to make the world a better place, is we get caught up in the immediate, mm -hmm. like talking about all this public school stuff can really make you feel hopeless. That's the other thing. Yeah, we're pretty much hopeless. And, and I think we need to. I, I want to speak for myself and some of the I'm the ad, the administration, the, the black leaders in that school are just like, I don't know where they get it from. Honestly, they're like, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> OK, <laughs> they, they give me hope. But I'm like, I all I see is just like, oh, my God. Sorry, yeah. It's okay. This is exactly what I want to talk about. So yeah. I, one of the things that I think we need to do and, and check in at with is there's a long game and a short game. Mm. And it's mm. true that when mm. we look at the short game, it, we're not doing great, right? We've basically had 40 years of nonstop setbacks. Um, and you can look at every aspect of our society and, and see that. There are some places where there have been gains, like, like I, I definitely think gay rights have been amazing. Right, the fact that we have gay marriage, for example. But, but if you look at socioeconomic indicators, where we are class-wise, where mm -hmm. we, look, we look at race, uh, women's rights, I think systematically we've suffered a lot of setbacks in the last 40 years. And we're constantly but, under fire for those. I mean, you never know when that right's going to be taken away. Exactly. Absolutely. But I think we need to remember there's also a long game. Yeah. it's a mm -hmm. And that when, when you look at it from the long standpoint, maybe our setbacks in the short term aren't as uh, aren't as devastating like we need to sort of get things in perspective and so the, the example for me is martin luther king so i, I want to bring him into this equation so i i think most leftists look at him and there's a there's a little bit of an uncle tom thing that we stick on him that i want to i want to peel off because i think leftists are looking at him incorrectly <laughs> They, they've made a they've made a really big mistake actually. So the, the civil rights movement in my mind starts really 1919, 1920. The NAACP sets it at 1954, and I'll I'll explain why. But I I'm putting it at 1919, 1920, and here's why: the United States accidentally recruited African Americans for the United States Army. They they were drafted. What? Did you say accidentally? Yes. So when the draft boards met for World War One, they purged everybody who had a non-Anglo sounding name. So if your name was uh, Jose Rodriguez, good chance you weren't going to fight in World War One because the draft board would probably just go, not ah, delete. If you, wow. you know what I mean? Like if you had a Japanese sounding last name, delete, it's, you're out of there. So, but if your name was John Jackson, we don't know if you're black or white. Doesn't matter to us. We don't see color. Yeah, exactly. Especially when your name makes you sound like you're from England. And so what ended up happening was the draft board would go, okay, and check off that name. And then those, those black recruits would show up. They'd report for duty. And the army's like, what do we do with them? They're not supposed to be here. And the reason was real simple. It's the same reason why in medieval period, you didn't arm peasants. Mm -hmm. if, if peasants never fight in war, they never gain confidence. They never feel like they earned anything. We didn't want black people to fight in World War I because we didn't yeah. want them to feel entitled. We didn't want them to feel part of our society. So we were willing to, to kill- Isn't this why like Arab citizens of Israel also can't uh, participate uh, in the- Of course, oh, yeah. of course. <laughs> like, how weird would that be? <laughs> Also, it'd be really awkward that first time that Arab was shooting an Arab. Anyway, so. Um, which which brings up the second reason, lack of trust. Lack of trust, absolutely. So we sent those soldiers to France without uniforms, without rifles, 
without helmets, without boots. Oh we didn't send them with officers. We just stuck them on ships in civilian clothing and sent them. The French are like, dude, what are you doing here? Did you, do you not know about World War I? We're on the verge of being destroyed by the Germans. There's no yeah. tourism industry here. <laughs> and they're like, no, we're not here as tourists. We're the army. We were, and they're like, where are your uniforms? Where's your stuff? And they had to explain, well, we're black and the, the, mm -hmm. uh, the white country we're from refuses to train us. So the French are like, don't worry about it. They stuck them in French uniforms. Mm -hmm. They put on French helmets. They put them through French basic training. They gave them English speaking French officers and they stuck them on the front line. So they were the the Casca Bleu. Is that who they were, or they were a different um, legion, maybe French Foreign Legion? I, I don't know what they were called. Uh, I do know where they were in the line. So there's okay. there's a there was a corner in the line, um, and the Germans in spring of 1918 did the, the the March Offensive, sometimes called the Spring Offensive, but the March Offensive is a better name. And their goal was to swing through the, the western part of the line and come around Paris from behind. Mm. And okay. the, there was a that where that corner was, was a strategic point the Germans had to capture. They wanted to capture everything west of that point, but they needed to capture that point too. And that's where those black soldiers were. And those black soldiers fought <laughs> until they ran out of ammunition. And then as the Germans were coming into the trench, they used their bayonets until they broke the bayonets. Wow. And then they began using their rifles as clubs and were beating the Germans with the rifles until they broke their rifles on the Germans. And then they began fighting the Germans with fists. Oh, wow. And citizenship. The whole French line to the left of them, to the west of them collapsed. And the Germans mm -hmm. were on their way to Paris. And two things stopped the Germans from capturing Paris in the, in the spring offensive, 1918. One, the tank. The Germans didn't have any. They did. They had 20. But that, the Allies had like 3,000. So the Germans didn't have any. And that black unit held that strategic position. And that's what, end, that's what stopped Germany from winning World War I. Had they captured Paris, that would have been the end. So Americans saved Paris, not black. Black Americans. Black Americans. Americans. America! British yeah. and French tanks with black Americans saved Paris. And the, the French put so many medals on those those black soldiers, they couldn't walk anymore. Like they were, oh. they're, right? Like the French. I get, I just have to say, things were so bad in France that, <laughs> that they trained black folks. Yeah. Well, they, they had African well, they, units that they, they were using too. Yeah, you, I was going to say, you ever they seen had any Algeria. of the movies because they've, it's been, they've been whitewashed. Yeah. Algeria was a big part of that. I mean, most of Western Africa. And, and Senegal. I mean, yeah. just, yeah, you name it. Um, Interesting. Okay, so they have a kind of racism where they they they're smarter about it. They use oh what, what use the, <laughs> people of color, black folks and people of color as fodder when they have to, but you know otherwise. Right. What they did was a few years ago they they tried to delete the pensions for the Senegalese. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. So don't yeah. worry, the French are assholes. They're oh, just yeah. assholes in a oh, different yeah. way. Oh, I was I actually lived in Paris when they uh, when the Algerians started coming. <laughs> coming over they like opened it back up and said oh yeah come over you don't want to be you know come over and work and they immediately just uh stuck them in one neighborhood yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and walled they, it off and then they would i would be on the train and i was fully illegal i should not have been there i was working illegally um but i could be sitting next to a black citizen french citizen and they would ask her for her papers mm. instead of me and mm -hmm. really they should have asked me. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's that's the level of racism, right? Well, exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's not different there, I don't think, except for, like you said, um, Banesha, that when they need fodder, they will. I mean, because everybody has to serve over there. Mm -hmm. yeah. You have to give two years of civil service. So, I mean, oh, then wow. they can call you back up at any time. Yeah. For the record, three of those black veterans were given a, a, a medal by the United States I want to say it was 1998, but I'm probably off on my year. By Bill Clinton, mm. they were the last three living mm. soldiers. I remember that. And he stuck medals on them and said, these guys are true heroes. The reason all this matters, besides the fact that we need to remember these things, is those men came back from fighting in France and went, I'm owed rights. Yeah. This is bullshit. 
and they began to push back. And that, so that's why I'm dating this as the start of the civil rights movement. Now they don't have any glorious victories really until 1954 with Rosa Parks, which, but, but it took 35 years to get to Rosa Parks. It, it didn't happen in Rosa Parks. We make it sound like she happened to be on the bus and she happened to move. She was an activist. Mm -hmm. They were planning for this. They they picked her Mm -hmm. to be the person Mm -hmm. to do this. Mm -hmm. Like this was deliberate. I heard that actually a lot of organizing that went into this before it happened. Mm -hmm. Right. I heard that it actually happened, but with a different woman. And so then they decided, oh yeah, we're going to do this, but we're going to plan it and do it right and make sure that, you know, everybody sees it. But I I mean, I don't, that's just a rumor. And then Rosa Parks never ended up being the Supreme Court case. It was the Browder case that I tried to remember last show and I've already forgotten. <laughs> it's the other case um, that, that gets it, but it's because Rosa Parks does this that, that we think, oh, that's the beginning, but it's not the beginning. There were, they took three and a half decades to get to that moment. Not to mention all the struggle that had happened mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. 1919. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't want to make it seem like there was nothing before then. It's just at that moment, there was this congealing. There was this, leap forward. So by the time we get to 1960, MLK makes a realization. And the realization is that the the SL, the Southern Christian Leadership Council, which was the organization of uh, black ministers who were organizing the civil rights movement, they realized they couldn't win alone. There was, there was this moment of, we're not going to make it. We're going to get, we're going to get victory after victory after victory, but we're not going to win the war. We need allies. And MLK actually starts actively trying to figure out how to get college students involved. Enter Stokely Carmichael and SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And the next thing you know, student movements are now helping the civil rights organizers in the South. And the next thing you know, there's an anti-war movement that develops. There's a socialist movement that develops. Before you know it, there are Black Panthers. There's SDS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In other words, MLK's reach out to students ends up creating what we think of as the 60s movement. And it was yeah. such a small thing, but it was a spark, mm-hmm. right? It, it was a spark that set off this whole thing that MLK can't get full credit for, but deserves credit for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at least making the initial move. And then MLK realizes after 1963, it's still not enough. We need to make another, there needs to be another incremental change. And most people don't realize this because we've frozen MLK in 1963 and we've whitewashed his life. But the last five years, he was a union organizer. Mm -hmm. He didn't, he switched from a civil rights organizer to a labor organizer and that's what the 60s was. The 60s was a perfect storm between yeah. populist Christian evangelicals in the South mm. who linked up with liberals in the North and students and the labor movement and created this life-changing event. It's our only revolution when you think about it, it because the revolution was a civil war. Right. Mm-hmm. The 1960s was a revolution, and it was a revolution because these three forces, really almost four forces. Yeah, let's not forget the women, and they weren't all students, yeah. And, and then in the midst of this, there's a women's rights movement, right? you know what I mean? And like the birth of the gay rights movement is starting mm-hmm. to form in this. Mm-hmm. And there's the Native Americans who push back, and AIM is born, and there's the immigrant, the migrant farm workers movement. Like it is an incredible, incredible, so incredible true. moment. Is it? So, how 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 like um coordinated and and sort of how how strong was the coalition that formed around these issues were people you know who were ground and housed in like a a women's rights movement very very strongly uh on board with with these other actions and movements going on like how coordinated were these yeah uh, i can tell you i can tell you for a fact that the women's rights movement was not uh racially aware mm-hmm. or gay was- or gay aware Sorry, but they did not want any lesbians part of that. Mm -mm. Yeah, they were. So the answer is it was fractured. It was white and heteronormative. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. But but there were but there were these really important learning lessons, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. the stuff the Black Panthers did. Mm 
yeah. with going into a neighborhood and fixing it up and setting up breakfast for the kids going to school. That's exactly what white liberals implemented to try and fix those neighborhoods later. I also yeah. want to say that was the model that the Hezbollah used when it started yeah. out. That was the Hezbollah's and model. And still uses. And I mean, yes, and still uses, yes. Wow. And also became the model for um, the uh, revolutionaries in Iran. Um, I mean, it's kind of connected, but yeah. So in the midst of all of this, we have this drive, I think, to create an, a revolution that instantly changes everything. We want to make, we want to make this leap that makes it so that tomorrow we're going to have our utopia. And the answer I think really is that these slow, small, incremental changes, even when there are setbacks, are way more likely to get us to where we're going. It might take us 170 years to get somewhere, but, but then any type of instantaneous revolution. Like we need to stop looking at MLK and going too slow. Because right, what comes to mind is uh, Nina Simone. Yeah. Mississippi <laughs> goddamn. Mississippi goddamn. I just Go listened, slow. That, was, that was the first song I listened to this morning. <laughs> Seriously. And, and, and she's right. Don't we, we we need to work as fast as we can, but within the framework of not getting exhausted, not burning ourselves out, and knowing that when we fail, it's okay, and knowing that when we succeed, we should celebrate, and and get the little victories where we can. We've just it, suffered a forty-year catastrophe, and yeah. it, from Reagan to Trump, and they encapsulated it like bookends. Now we need to turn this thing around and start going the other direction again. It's already been turned around. People have been turning things around since day one. Um, yeah, it's it's about the work, doing the work. I mean, you may not see the results. The, you know, your kids' kids may see the results, but it's about doing the work so that somebody sees the fucking results, right? Yeah, and we're now, we're just now, I mean, I think in the last definitely in the last seven, eight years, seeing some real results, whether it's racial justice, whether it's um, anti-war movement. I mean, we saw the anti, that's been like 20 years strong anti-war movement, but yeah, since 1991. Also, I think, okay, um, go ahead. My question, my, my question is uh, for the broader, for, I, know, I know that we've, we've kind of reached those points, but like for the broader electorate, the broader, uh, you know, the rest of the country, um, where do those, where do those go in, you know, where do those meet kind of sort of uh, in regards to like the anti-war movement or uh, any of these other things that we see moving? You mean, how do we get this out of the activist community, mm -hmm. past Black Lives Matters and into pa yeah. the, like the, even, even the past common the Democratic discourse. Party? Yeah. Yeah. Even just the Democratic Party. <laughs> yeah. We just mm -hmm. keep doing. Yeah. We just, it's we it's just happening. Keep doing it. It's mm -hmm. happening already. Democratic it's, Party is now the Republican Party. Except there has been a change, mm -hmm. I, and and I'll tell you why. I I totally agree. Like Joe Biden is center right. Let's not lie to ourselves mm -hmm. about this. He is center right. But you know I, what? I don't know. He's moved a little bit. He has moved, a little, moved yeah. a little bit. Angela yeah. Merkel is center right. Because he couldn't help oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and right. I just want to be clear. She's currently my favorite leader on the planet. She but that's be, awesome. be, be, But that's also because the my my bar, I've lowered it because mm -hmm. I have to, because the rest are all garbage. Right? I mean, except for Scandinavia and New Zealand, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like throw them out. What about there the isn't Italian, a single one of them? The Italian prime minister. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for doing that. Which one? The one who was the one two weeks ago or a month ago? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you're an anarchist or a libertarian, move to Italy. Uh, yes. They don't have a government. They don't care. You know, Susie and I were just having a conversation before we got on air, and Susie was rightfully talking about how there's going to be a backlash on women after these four years guaranteed yeah and uh you know sort of i don't know Susie. i don't want to speak for you but something like uh we need to we need to be aware of this and what do we do and we pay attention and um uh, arabs and egypt at least say should the helic yani meaning you, you just gotta you know strengthen your resolve and just be ready it's coming yeah and um 
Gird your body. Gird your loins. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Endeavor just to persevere. Endeavor Gird. to persevere. <laughs> and you know, it just occurred to me that that we keep talking of uh, of this. You know, our our language is one of sense of urgency and doing. It's there's a sense of urgency. We got to do. You know, we got to think, 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 do, do, do. And and the reality is, we're doing it. We're doing it. And a lot of the doing when it comes to um, racial justice or gender justice is ignoring so much of the noise, literally. Like when somebody just heaps it on, let's Mm -hmm. say a sexist heaps it on to me or some other woman, we just turn around, do the pushback, move the fuck on. Like- just it it needs to become automatic and the burns are already out there our leaders are using them borrow if if you're the type of person who reads reads, read read up on the the sort of (laughs) the burns get on twitter whatever whatever (laughs) yeah just we just do it and move on Mm -hmm. we are at that stage just like i'm i don't have time whatever yeah we just don't we don't and in the past we might have had to we might have had we might have had the the burden of having to do all of this backsplaining right we don't now we have a whole movement and coined terms now that they're using to throw at us like they know what things are all you we don't we don't even have to engage like boop move on yep no energy very little energy just and that's that takes and move on. that takes a lot of self-discipline when somebody is saying bullshit to you about you or about your friend you know it's hard to not jump in and and just engage with them but you're mm. right we we don't have time i don't have the energy there are other things i have to pay attention to and that is like I mean, I don't mind hitting it one-on-one, like you said, but it's the grand scheme of things with the misogyny that- Yeah, we're in a bigger game. We're, these are small, this is chump change. We're in a long, we're in a long, bigger, longer game. Yeah, and I don't think yeah. Republicans have seen the long game for a while. But that's, that's okay, that's to our benefit. Yep. If we see the long game and they're playing short short game uh, i i uh, know i think they've done a great job of playing the long game right so for the past 50 years they they've created an ecosystem where they can uh cultivate conservative lawyers and leadership in law and, and judges invest- and judges and the investment that have paid off so well paid off the so investment well. in minority rule right and, and then like- abortion and then on the left, there hasn't been anything comparative, right? There, there hasn't been a long-term investment in like leftist thought or leftist um, 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 judge or courts or anything like that, which means but, that we but don't that's have there, there's been, I'm sorry, there's been a lot of work in, in feminist, racial justice, th- so much theory building, so much thought, not in the so much cultural right. awareness and, and, and education. Mm-hmm. But here's That's the what we have. Here's the difference. The difference is that the Republican Party, when the neo-Nazis and the tea baggers and all these other guys basically said, we want to move in this direction, the Republican Party was there. For the Democratic Party, when, when the left said, the progressives and the socialists said, we need to move this way, they were like, yeah, and we're going to do everything we can to sabotage you and make sure that doesn't happen. But we yeah, did. there's a saying, there's a saying, um, there's a saying. You know, the Democratic Party is where leftist ideas go to die. And, yeah. I mean, it's, it, 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 they don't say and that the Republican for no Party reason. is where the, yeah. the neo-Nazi they know they have, but they I have don't, a but I don't, audience. They have yeah, but I don't think they're... But, yeah. yeah, but I don't think it's going to... It's it's dying. Okay, I don't think it's here's dying. why I am going to agree with you. And it's because of what happened in 2015. When Bernie Sanders decided to mm-hmm. run in the primaries, mm-hmm. me and a friend, a leftist, went berserk because we couldn't figure out why on earth he was running. And the only thing we could think of was he was bought out. And I actually am embarrassed as hell at my, my, my reaction. Cause so I'm, I, I'm a long time Bernie lover from, from way back. So when he decided to run in 2015, I'm like, there must be a calculation somewhere. Did he get bought out by the democratic party? Is this some kind of thing to try and convince progressives to vote for Clinton? And, and, you know, I post the stuff on Facebook that I deeply regret and should go back and delete because it's so embarrassing. And then I realized, oh my God, what he's doing is absolutely freaking genius. I just couldn't see it. 
what he did was he normalized mm -hmm. yeah. the conversation mm -hmm. about all these things. So it yeah. didn't matter whether he yes. won or won not. Or he mm -hmm. won by running. That's, Absolutely. Because he was thought. on that stage. That's he the was education. at that debate. And, he, and, and so that's the answer, Roy, is we need to have these voices like AOC and Bernie out there pushing the normalization of these conversations. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, we've created a whole new set of politicians like Elizabeth Warren mm -hmm. and and Kamala Harris and they might be deeply flawed Katie Porter but they're, but they're saying the right things and they're normalizing those things yeah. it's, it's like Obama said we taught our children things that we didn't believe but now they I don't, I'm screwing yeah, yeah, up the yeah, quote yeah, yeah, but yeah. now they believe them and now Gen Z really isn't very racist and sexist even uh, though the people who taught them not to be racist and sexist are totally racist and sexist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think the answer is well, there are flaws. We're, we're making progress. And yeah. we're in the long game. And we and need to be in the long, long game. game. We're playing and thank chess. God Bernie ran in 2015. Yes. And speaking of the long game, I think the show is going to the long game. <laughs> I would love to, to sit here, right? <laughs> I would love to sit here and continue this all day, but I know our show is getting to that time. Uh, so any uh, closing closing remarks from y'all? <laughs> Anyone? Stay strong. Sleep. Don't get, get COVID. Oh yeah, yeah, don't do that. I should have oh, said that. So, yeah. Social distance, wash your hands, wear a mask. It yes. turns out Trump lost 20 million vaccines. If the death rate is really 1.5%, that's 300,000 people he murdered. Oh, wow. I heard he lost the election. <laughs> Are news. we still talking about it? <laughs> he also lost his Twitter account. <laughs> that was his, oh. That's the thing he wanted the most, right? Yeah. All his attorneys quit. He has no attorneys going into the oh. impeachment trial. They have two days to file. <laughs> no goons. Yeah. Love Thank it. Thank you guys. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Great show. Great discussion. Wait, wait, wait. Roy, oh, what on, do you, on. what do you have something to say? Last words. Last words for me. Um, now I like, the, I like the note you ended it on because my notes are different, a little bit different. <laughs> so I like the way you ended it on because um, to me, I, I still want to see that. Uh, I, 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 think, I know we still got to push. Yeah. I think we stopped the push and push. Um, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Every day. Every, every day. day. Exactly. Every day. So that's, Absolutely. that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Stay hydrated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stay hydrated, show some distance, wash your hands, wear a mask, <laughs> be mindful. Thomas, <laughs> what about you? Uh -huh. Just take care of yourselves and stay grounded in, in yeah, local spaces. Who are you seeing? Who is your family? What's going on with you locally? Mm -hmm. And and let's get Ted Cruz out of there in 2022. Oh, wow. <laughs> our revolution, yeah, our revolution, Texas is, I think they're starting a campaign on that. So I might want to check them out. We got uh -huh. four years to do this. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. All righty. Thank y'all. Uh, tune in next time for uh, a Red Peace Machine. Um, yeah. Thank y'all for tuning in. Bye. 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 All right.